This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Every year, U.S. News & World Report compiles a list of the best countries. The list looks at a country's wealth and success, but also policies that create opportunity, the people that lead the change, and that country's history. The 2019 just rele- uh, list was just released. And joining us to highlight this year's list, the man who compiles it, Wharton Marketing, Marketing Professor Dave Reebstein, also the co-host of Measured Thoughts here on Sirius XM 132, Mondays at 4 p.m. Dave, great seeing you. Great to be here. Thank you very much. I just gave some of the criteria, but but take us further in depth as to how you come about putting together a list of of 80 countries and all the criteria that's involved. Sure. So this is our fourth year doing that. And so we've been doing it year over year. We've got a, a set of attributes that we look at or features that we look at. We sample more than 20,000 people from throughout the world. We get people's perceptions of countries. So we have 80 countries that are being uh, rated, how people perceive them, right. from all sorts of different people. We can talk about the nature of who those people are. 65 dimensions, we take those dimensions, we break them into categories. We, we cluster them together into categories, for example, like cultural influence or power or quality of life, dimensions like that, right. that you know, consist of several of these different features. We then take each of those uh, particular features, we add them up for that overall factor, quality of life, uh, again, as my example, and we then see how that country or, or how every country ranks on that. Right. We weight those those factors by how they are correlated with GDP per capita. Sure, yeah. And then we, it, it basically is how much does the perception of a country, what I refer to as the brand of a country, how much does the brand of a country relate to and, and contribute to the GDP per capita? And that list basically reflects here's the most important brands, the second most important brand, and so forth all the way down, one through 80. Now, there's 196 <laughs> countries, yeah. right? So yeah. we've excluded most countries. The way we select which countries we're going to use is they have to be in the top 100 in terms of tourism, in terms of foreign direct trade, in terms of uh, foreign investment, and the uh, human development index. So when you put together a list like this and all of this data, you mentioned about all of the different people and resources that that you bring into this process. Take us into that and and how the, the perception of countries around the globe is important. And you mentioned branding, that a, comp, a country's brand ends up being incredibly important, not only for people that may be outside the country, but people within that particular country as well. Right. So, you know, if you're trying to develop your own brand, and think about it not as a country, think about it for a company trying to develop their brand, a lot of their effort has to be internally directed because we want people within the company thinking positively about it. There's tons of research that shows that employee satisfaction is highly related to customer satisfaction. Right. So we need to make our employees very satisfied. 
Now let's translate that to a country. We need to make the people within our country very satisfied with the country, and that will help translate to uh, externally people being happy with our country and have positive perceptions. How much uh, do you think in general there is an understanding of that concept, not necessarily by the people that may be in government or in the business sector, but of of the public, of the public of a particular country? Um, And and you're asking about the the understanding that we have to be satisfied internally to have an impact externally? Correct. I don't think there's much understanding of that at all. I think we... We have our perceptions about our own country, sure, and so it is, and we hope other people think positively about our country, but you know how my feelings affect their feelings is not transparent. Uh, Japan was uh, a country that you mentioned in, in an article, and, and on this list of, of the top 80 countries, Japan is number two overall. Take us into what it is about Japan that they have set in place right now that that puts them as one of the best countries right now in the world? So Japan is very, very interesting because, uh, first of all, it just went up in its rating. It's always been in the top five, but it it just went up to number two. What it is, I think we're going to see, is it even go up to number one. Really? Um, They've got the Olympics next year. True. And the Olympics always provides a positive boost. And Japan is is interesting across a number of dimensions, but let me mention one of them, for example. Um, Japan is viewed as very entrepreneurial and uh, and doing a lot with technology. Uh And um, and, and frankly, uh, you know, when we think about Japan, we think about all the electronics that have come out of Japan – it's not clear to me that they continue to be developing as much as some other countries, but their brands and, and images stick with people for quite a while. And this notion of electronic uh, forefront is where Japan is, ha- has always been there. Um, it's also viewed as a place that's very, very safe, very clean, very safe. Right. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Japan. I have not. Uh, it is amazing um, that... Everything's so organized and clean. You never see – actually, you do not see people carrying coffee cups walking down the street. Really? If, if, you buy, huh. if you buy at a Starbucks, you drink your coffee in the Starbucks and you deposit your cup uh, there. If, huh. uh, if you buy at a vending machine, what's expected is you stand by the vending machine and you drink whatever you're going to drink right there rather than walking and then having a can you're going to throw away or a package you're going to throw away. It's amazingly clean, and that's just what the culture is. Um, and, and so they've got these external images that are there that contribute a lot to people's overall perception of the country. But when you in looking at Japan, and, and there was an interesting graph in one of the stories that you did, that the perception, I guess, outside of Japan is starkly different than what the perception is within Japan from its own citizens. That's right. So, so you know, I just described things to you about its safety and its cleanliness. Um, coming from America, I'm struck by the cleanliness within Japan. Um, actually, last year I went to Japan and then I went from Japan to India. And it, it, it was just amazingly different because in Japan, I never heard a, a horn honk. And in India, huh. you drive with one hand and you're honking the horn <laughs> with the other. And that's just some of what it is that, that's expected. And, and so I'm going to get to your question. Yeah. 
for an outsider going in, it's like, whoa, there's no horns honking. Whoa, look how clean it is. Yeah. Look how organized. If you're on the inside, there's, it doesn't look that clean. It's, this is just what life normally is. Sure. And so their perception of, is that it's not extraordinarily clean. It's not extraordinarily safe. It's just that's what life is. Hmm. Now, one of the things that I've been able to do with the data uh, that we've collected is – you know, the main thing is how the world sees various different countries. Yeah. For certain countries, I've got a large enough sample within that country and say, how do people within Japan view Japan? How do people within the United States view the United States, et cetera? So I can look at internal views of, and perceptions of a country across the 65 dimensions, and I can compare it with the external views. Sure. Almost always – the internal views are better than the external views. We huh. feel, we feel good about what our country is. Right. Is the general view? Japan's the outlier. Japan's the exception. People from the outside think so positively about Japan. On the inside, eh, Japan's nice, but it's not extraordinary. And so they actually, and some of it I think is just the humility of the people, do not think of themselves in, in a more glowing fashion than externally. We're joined by Dave Reebstein here in studio. We're talking about uh, his work on the Best Countries Report appearing in the U.S. News and World Report. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y-21. I'm always interested to kind of get the backstory here on the U.S., because just by what you said of where Japan is, just on the cleanliness issue, it, it's a much different mindset uh, than than it is in Japan. But when you look at the United States, they are eighth on your list, still in the top ten. That's exactly where they were a year ago. But again, refresh us as to some of the things that are going on within the U.S. that puts them at number eight. So first of all, four years ago, the United States was number four. Um, disappointed the United States was not number one. I sort of, you know, thought, okay, let's make America great again. Let's see America go back to that number one position. Yeah. It would be very, very nice to see. Um, held off the gathering of the data till right after the election in 2016. Right. Collected the data then. It was a very vitriolic uh, sure. uh, campaign and everything. We fell to number seven. Last year, we fell to number eight. Now we're barely holding on to the number eight position. Perceptions of the United States are going down. Perceptions of um, – actually, I'll tell you where the biggest downfall was for the United States this year. The external perception of trust has gone down significantly. Right. Can't necessarily trust the United States. They enter into an agreement. They withdraw from that agreement. They make one statement. They reverse that particular statement or that position. Are they in NATO? Or are they out of NATO? What's the agreement with Iraq? What has, has uh, come away from that? And so the, the external perception of trust um, is down, and that affects how people feel about our country. Which is something that I think a lot of people believe has the opportunity to change either in two years or in six years, depending on what happens with the 2020 election and and then on down the road. Right. Right. Switzerland is at the top right. uh, of the list. And I find that interesting because the Swiss 
uh, and they were there a year ago as number one. And Swiss, uh, Switzerland is always seen as this quote-unquote neutral country. So what is it about Switzerland that continues them to be the, the best country right now? What is not about Switzerland that gets them into the number one position? They are so much in the middle. There's, there's no strife. There, it is like, you know, we're not taking sides in anything. We are out here perceived to be good citizens clean, a, a, a good living environment. Mm-hmm. It, it turns out, by the way, on none of the the factors are they number one, but, okay. the, but they are high on almost all of them. It's open for business. You can do business there, no particular problem. Quality of life is very, very good. Uh, as I mentioned, citizens, very good. Cultural influence, yeah, there's some cultural influence that's there. It's such a peaceful place. And such an open place. Right. Um, I think those all bode very, very well for them. What about our neighbors to the north and to the south? Canada is in the top five. Uh, Mexico is down in the 30s. Uh, how did they grade out in terms of all of the factors that you're talking about? So um, there's been a lot of interest in the uh, Canadian ranking right now, which is um, over the last three years, Canada was number two. Okay. So it started off, Germany was number one, Canada was number two. Then it went to Switzerland, number one, Canada, number two, Switzerland, number one, Canada, number two. Again, that same thing. This year, Canada dropped to number three. And it, they dropped to number three just because, not because anything changed about them, but the perceptions of Japan have been getting better. So good, yeah. And, and better and better. Um, if you look at the Canadian rankings, one of the things that people say is the quality of life is phenomenal there. Right. Um, and it is the place where it, it's the number one place for quality of life. And and let me tell you what that means. They're viewed as e- economically stable, very, very stable country, very, very, very safe, um, politically very, very stable, well-developed public health system. Those were all some of the uh, of the dimensions that feed into that 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 Canada does really well. Trudeau has been referring to the study of look at the quality of life in Canada. Yeah, um, and actually Trudeau contributes to the perception of uh, of Canada. Everybody sort of views Trudeau as uh, as one of the greatest leaders in the world right now. Hmm. Um, and so if you go to Davos. Um, he sort of is a rock star there. <laughs> and, and, uh, he sort of walks around. It looks like he could be a snowboarder, but you know he happened to wander into the people you know, wanting his autograph yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're joined here by Dave Reebstein. Uh, your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at bizradio one thirty two or my Twitter account, which is at danloney twenty one. Now, one of the countries that is is in the top twenty, which I guess was not ranked a year ago, is Belgium. Right. A- and so, and again, going through the the, the matrix through the numbers, uh, how. Unique is it for a country to go from not ranked to ranked as high as Belgium is? Well, it's a little bit embarrassing for me that they go from not ranked to in the top 20. Right. They were not ranked not because they were not in the in the top 80. They were they fell short on the four criteria that we have. And so this year they made it into that criteria. Right. And so suddenly they were being evaluated. I right. will, I will right. confess when we first did it, 
Switzerland wasn't in the rankings. Sure. And then, then all of a sudden, Switzerland and, – and by the way, first year that we did it, we're there at Davos presenting, you know, here's the best countries – and oops, we're in Switzerland, and Switzerland's not even ranked in yeah. this. But but the criteria well established. You got to be in the in the top one hundred and the first three in the top one hundred and fifty in the Human Development Index to be considered. And so Belgium now makes it. When you look at the perceptions of Belgium, it, it's you know it makes it to the top twenty. I wanted to ask you about a couple of countries that. Uh uh, at least the perception here in the United States that, that they would have a checkered past, one being Iraq, another one being Vietnam. Uh, and what you see specifically, and, and I guess Iraq moves in, uh, moved into the top 80 this right. year. What was it that, that you saw? Let's start with Iraq. What did you see in that that is making a significant change for the better for that country right now? Uh, they're starting to have some more foreign trade. And so how did they get into the top 80 when they weren't before? And, and the reason was that they met those criteria to be one of the countries that's being considered. Just that simple. I believe they're like 79th, right. uh, something like that. So they barely – they met the criteria, but the perceptions of Iraq are still not great. But but, th- but there is some – as you said, from the trade perspective, there's some policy, I would think, changes going on within that country to understand maybe some of the things they need to do to have a better economy just in general. Absolutely. No no question about it. The, the, um, the other one that you asked about was Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and have you been to Vietnam? I have not. Vietnam is amazing. I mean, it, it, if you ask me, that's a good place to invest. Because really? if you go there, there's tons of building uh, that's going on. Business, lots of businesses are moving there. Mm-hmm. It used to be okay. What we're going to have to do is manufacture things in China. Lots of manufacturing is moving over to Vietnam. Low labor cost, very well organized. Uh, seem to be doing a great job of building up an infrastructure so that uh, they can do commerce very, very well. So I'm not at all surprised to see Vietnam uh, rising uh, in, the, in the rankings. You mentioned India, having traveled there a, a little bit ago. Uh, India is seen as this unbelievable opportunity for growth uh, globally. Uh, you see U.S. Com- companies that want to be a part uh, of the Indian economy right now. They are ranked, I believe it was like 27. How do you view them moving forward because of all this expectation, this positive expectation that is out there right now about India? So, the, you know, they have uh, – they've been making strides, positive things, but it's it's slow. I, India, by the way, is one of the countries that if I look at their internal perception, the energy and, and positive uh, view within India – is much higher than the norm. I said every country except Japan has a positive view relative to external. India's is off the scale in terms of how Hmm. positive they are. Uh, The external perceptions in terms of a business opportunity is there. There still is a lag in people's perception about how progressive the country is. I think India's got tons of potential. Um, Low labor costs, Actually, it helps that they speak English. Yeah. So for those of us, you know, that are unilingual, it, uh, it helps that uh, for a place to do business and to do world commerce. And so definitely see them on the rise. And they're a competitor uh, for Russia. And their huge population 
really contributes to how much of a consuming country they can be. So lots of people are looking to India, and I think we'll continue to see growth that's happening there. China is, a, is another country that obviously makes a lot of news, uh, especially going on with what we see now between the U.S. and China over trade right now. Uh, but it is also one of the largest economies on, on the planet right now. And so where do you see the, the positives and negatives of China right now? Because there is also seemingly a lot of mystery about what actually is the growth of China? Are the numbers that they put out, are they actually correct? What is it about China that, that you have them up in the top 20? Right. So I, I don't have the secret sauce to know whether those numbers are correct yeah. or not. Yeah. So, so who knows? But what it is we see is China is definitely progressing. It, you know, I, I went to China. This, this is going to be embarrassing for me to, to, uh, to say on the air. I went to China in 1981. Okay. First time I went there. Yeah. Um, and to see China in 1981 versus to see it in 2019. Yeah. So I haven't been this year, but to see it, you know, more recently. But night and day. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, for me it was fascinating because when I went originally, you'd go into a store and there'd be, uh, you know, if you wanted to buy shampoo um, – There'd be one brand on the on the shelf. That's huh. it. If you want shampoo, your choice is shampoo or no shampoo. Right, right. That's it. One, one toothpaste. It's toothpaste or you know. There were none of none of these brands. It was a nascent marketing environment, um, and it has totally evolved. And actually, when I go there, the airports are much more advanced than we see the airports in the United States. Hmm. The shopping malls are. An extravaganza. There, it, it's an amusement park going to the shopping malls and and everything you could see. And so commerce is really, really, really developing there. No question about it. So that's all the positive. Yeah. You see that happening. On the negative side, um, as they continue to, do, to develop products that are seen of poor quality, as they continue to th- see uh, develop things that are unreliable, they their perceptions will not be great. And that's why they're not in the top 10 in terms of a brand. And in fact, I'll, I'll give you a challenge on the air. Here. Okay. All right. Name a brand from China. Uh, yeah. I, um, Huawei. Huawei. Okay. So, by the way, we now can say Huawei. We can now say Alibaba. Alibaba, yeah. We can say Tencent. But I will tell you, five years ago, you know, I would walk down the street and ask people that question. They yeah. couldn't come up with it, with a, a brand. Yeah. I'd I'd do that in Europe. I'd do it in in South America. I'd say name a, name a product from China. China, because it has such a big market, all everything focuses on you know making things for domestic consumption. Sure. Yeah. And they really haven't been able to develop any brands that are on the national stage. And uh, Huawei is probably the number one with Alibaba, number two. Uh, they're making their way. We're going to see it. Yeah. We definitely see the growth. It's it's a vibrant economy, and uh, the United States has sort of been ignoring them for too long. Good seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. in. My pleasure. Dave Rabestein, a marketing professor here at the Wharton School, also co-host of Measured Thoughts here on Sirius XM 132 Mondays uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And by the way, if you'd like to see... The reporting that Dave has done, go to U.S. News and World Report's website, usnews.com, and put in best countries, and you'll be able to look at the overall rankings. 
For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.